When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to Redacted on this Monday. I'm Clayton Morris. I'm Natalie Morris. And you come here, hopefully, because these are stories you're not going to see in the mainstream media. And I saw someone in the chat just moments ago saying, breaking news. Now it's going to be the same thing we heard last week and the week before. Oh, no, not on today's show, buddy. Not on this show. Oh, no, we got experts. We got new things to talk about. We. Uh, oh, thank you. Yes, we have David <laughs> and also. David. And <laughs> oh, David. I, you said experts, so I thought. Yeah. Um, experts in some things Um, (laughs) no but we do have a jam-packed show for you today which is and the breaking news we're going to look at this treasure trove of documents that have just been unearthed as it relates to Ukraine and scouring the mainstream media you will not see this covered in the mainstream media at all in fact we've got other stories in the show today about the mainstream media censoring itself as it covers the war in Ukraine and as it it, uh, covers uh, geopolitics in general censorship run amok Uh, Plus, we are going to talk about the Amnesty International report that we spoke about last week because they have been forced to apologize for it, which is interesting. They still maintain their position, but uh, we're going to break this down because they don't usually apologize for just doing what they do. No. And of course, we have the big inflation bill we're going to cover on the show today, the Inflation Reduction Act, which... uh was just passed last night in the Senate. It still has to go to the House of Representatives on Friday. So on the United States side, Democrats are giddy and over the moon about this because the idea is we're going to create 87,000 new IRS agents to basically go after and attack the middle class. And this is somehow going to lower inflation. Well, We've got an expert on the show today, Tom Wheelwright, one of the smartest, uh, one of the smartest accountants in the world is going to be on the show to kind of break all of that down. Right. If there is such a thing as a celebrity accountant, mm-hmm. Tom is it, right? Because is it. he is the accountant to famous Rich Dad, Poor Dad author Robert Kiyosaki. He is the founder of the WealthAbility Network. He really is what I consider to be the foremost authority on taxation and finance in the United States. And we are so lucky to have him here. I'm super excited about this conversation. Yeah, so he'll be joining us a little bit later in the show. There's a lot of information in there for families on how to like pre- preserve your family's wealth and to take care of your family. So all of that, you don't want to miss that coming up a little bit later in the show. So all of that and more as Redacted starts right now. Well, welcome into Redacted. We want to remind you that we have a newsletter that you would enjoy to read as a supplement. Yes, I think that... Talking to you. Who? You. You. Who are you pointing at? There's thousands of people that are watching right now. Okay, you. We want you to read our newsletter. Uh, It's chock-a-bock full of information and interesting tidbits like this show and more. Yeah, where can people find it? At redacted.inc. 
Yes, go to, it's not .com, it's Redacted Inc. Redacted.inc. Go there and sign up. It's totally free, but it's a way for us to stay connected as big tech censorship continues and they shut down channels like ours all the time. Our friend over at the Quartering, uh, quartering um, what's his name, Jeremy? Uh, Jeremy. I watch his show from time to time, does a great job, and uh, he, he like kind of catalogs these channels that are just being shut down left and right. I'm like, my gosh, man. Like, it's unbelievable. We live in the United States. You know, the United States is the home of YouTube, basically. And big tech censorship is just out of control. Out yes. of control. Really scary. All right, let's start. Let's get into a big treasure trove of documents, of Ukrainian military documents that have been leaked. And what they show this afternoon is jaw-dropping. So people saying, oh, you know, in the news, oh, we probably heard this before. You haven't heard this before. And if you look for this in the mainstream media, you're not going to find coverage of it in the mainstream media. And I doubt they're even scrambling to verify the veracity of these documents. So let's put up these Ukraine documents on the screen. These are, uh, again, this is in this is in Ukrainian. Um, so you can go through the translations. You can pull up the translations on um, many different sources if you'd like. You can verify them for yourself. You can pull, there's many different verifications of these documents that are already out there. Um, you can find them easily on Telegram. We're not gonna regurgitate them here, but I'm gonna pull up a few, um, kind of main points on this. And uh, Gonzalo Lira tweeted this a short time ago, and he said, these documents um, have been leaked deliberately, maybe question mark, by the Ukraine armed forces and seem to be genuine. A huge number of Ukraine eyeballs have been on them via telegram channels, but no one has seriously disputed their authenticity and what they reveal is horrifying. Do you wanna go through some of these points here? Now, according to these documents, the Ukraine armed forces have lost 191,000 men between uh, men between killed in action and wounded in action. Now, if you assume a three to one ratio, that would mean 50,000 men have died and 140,000 are wounded seriously enough to be incapacitated either to fight or to work. So if you think about that number, that's astound that is astonishing. Does it say how many they started with? Do we have any idea? Well, yeah, we go like a little bit deeper down and uh, Gonzalo Lira tweeted this as well. He said, recall that at the start of the war, the Ukraine armed forces had 260,000 men and an additional 340,000 under arms, border patrol, police, territorial defense, local militias. Now, if this leak is accurate, then roughly half of those men, 300,000 are out of action. Remember, casualties in war, not necessarily death, right? It could be literally uh, incapacitated, you know, totally incapacitated, not ability to fight. If you're a casualty of war, it doesn't necessarily mean you're killed. I always struggled with this as a kid because I would read casualty reports. And I always thought like casualties meant deaths as a kid, right? you know, and no, you have to unpack that. It's just that. any loss, a loss of capacity. Right. To fight. A loss of a line. resource exactly. or a loss of a person. It can be. Like if you've life. got a hundred soldiers, well, you know, and if a number of them or 50, 50 of them are casualties, some of them are dead, but some of them are not, and they're not able to fight in the battle. So now you have 50 left. Right. So, and you have to remember that they drafted and did not allow for men of a certain fighting age to leave when most of their population was fleeing at the beginning of this war. And so we have no way of knowing how many of this, how many, how, how what percentage of this force was trained, skilled, Right. How many people were just untrained? They were, their vocation was something completely unrelated and they were just, um, I want to use a sensitive term, like it was easy for them to fall because they had no training, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, 
they were unskilled, right? I mean, right. You know, like some of if these you sent me into battle, years. right? If the if the fight was about extreme bitchiness, I would win, <laughs> right. right? Not having a sense of ad, of, of humor uh-huh. about being targets to a war zone, sure, I'd win that. Uh, but if it was about um, Yes, you know, using weaponry. The, most of us are not skilled for that. These MIA could be killed in action, prisoners of war held by Russians or complete deserters. Now, we've seen a number of videos of desertions or uh, of, of, of groups, um, small, small brigades saying we're done. We're throwing in our towel. We don't have any military support. We don't have arms. We don't have leadership. We're done. We've shown you multiple videos of that. Larry Johnson is done an amazing job cataloging that former uh, ex-CIA agent, our analyst um, who we've had here on the show a number of times. It's estimated that they are 50% of that 191,000 number. That's about 95,000 men who are unaccounted for. Gone. 95,000 people gone. Like, where the hell are they? So then it begs the question, right, for those of us who are following along, the West's continued support for this conflict is, what are we waiting for to have peace talks, right? If there's over half of the forces that have been depleted, if the United States and other NATO forces are saying, we will support you, but not with gr- boots on the ground, then what? What, can, what could possibly be the plan other than continue to sign bills that say we are sending more aid? Well, as you pointed out, I mean, they've, they've tried to conscript people who are over the age Right. People with mental disabilities that like they're literally trying to bring anyone they can. And there's movement towards a draft. Like, how is that going to fly? Well, we know internally that that's not going very well. Like the idea of a draft in Ukraine, not not so not so great. Um, The medical facilities also, according to these documents, are at their breaking point. Um, Seriously wounded, seriously wounded are transferred to hospitals in Europe, in Poland and Germany. Now, I would love to know, any one of our viewers watching right now, let us know where you're joining us from around the world. I always love seeing where you're from. We have people from all over the world. Do you know of any local reports, if you're in Europe or parts of Europe, where Ukrainian soldiers have been taken for medical help? Please drop it in our comments and our chat below. And I get a lot of emails from you. I'm Clayton at redacted.inc. You can email me as well. Hospitals in Europe, Poland, Germany. So their medical facilities are completely overrun in Ukraine. The armed forces of Ukraine are running out of everything, according to these documents, in terms of weapons and gear. There is a specific complaint in these documents uh, that is highlighted here uh, by Gonzalo is that the M777 howitzers, that they need oil, hydraulic fuel, uh, fluid, and nitrogen. So they actually need nitrogen for a part, for a, for a working, uh, it, not for the firing of it, from my understanding, it's from the recoil of it, that uh, liquid nitrogen uh, for these to work. This would mean that the equipment is not durable enough for extended combat. And we also know from reports, we covered this last week on the show, that a lot of the Western equipment that is being sent simply isn't, they're not able to man it. Yes. They, not only can't they man it physically, because they're under heavy bombardment, but they don't have the training to man it. Right. And this has been a story well, going on throughout the war. Go ahead, David, please. Well, I was just going to say, did you guys also see the story where C, I think it was CBS, retracted their story on uh, less than 30% going to where it's supposed to go? Mm-hmm. They actually redacted that story and pulled it because yeah. it was... 
you know, yeah, we have a whole, truth, I guess. we're going to, we're going to dive deep into that in tonight's show. We actually have a clip from CBS that we're going to be showing um, coming up a little bit later because they're now having to walk that back. But again, this, that echo, that same story, the CBS story, which we'll get to echoes what CNN had already reported months ago yes. about how all of this web, all of these weapons and materials that are going to Ukraine, they can't track it. And we've done stories here on the show about it. Most of these weapons or a large portion of these weapons winding up on the dark web being sold for a huge profit. Because as CNN quoted that a lot of times they cross the border at Poland and they are loaded into private vehicles. As in, if you just get in line, as in a carpool line, when you pick up your kids from elementary school, you could get someone to load up your truck with whatever is sitting there ready to go into battle, right? So uh, this is not how that is supposed to work. Gonzalo also tweets this. In short, these leaked documents, which have been circulating for several days and have been examined closely by enough Ukrainians that we would know by now if they were fake, lead a disinterested observer to conclude that the Ukraine armed forces are about to collapse. I mean, we've been saying that for a few weeks, and the evidence seemed to support that now in eastern Ukraine, specifically at least these soldier leaks that we've been hearing from on the front lines and soldiers at the uh, prisoners of war telling that what's going on, the truth is starting to come out. I mean, in a big, big way. Um, and the mainstream media now just simply can't ignore it. Although they're trying to like, they're literally trying to spin it any way they can. The New York times out this weekend with some ridiculous reporting Aaron Mate was laughing about this afternoon. One of the sentences from a New York times report this afternoon made me laugh. It said, um, uh, Russia, uh, captures a nuclear uh, a nuclear reactor and fires upon itself like that's literally the thinking behind this new that makes a lot of sense so russia captures a nuclear reactor in ukraine and then fires at itself like that they're scrambling at anything now to try to to try to uh, dig this out yeah i'm not sure how that uh but you know this always comes on the heels there's there seems to be like a cyclical pattern to these types of stories is we start to get information about just how bad it is for people who are fighting inside Ukraine, how many people are dying, how sad and desperate it is, right? And then Western for Western media and Western governments say, oh, but we're sending more money. So it's okay, right? It's going to be okay. And I think it's time that the rest of us resign ourselves that it's not going to be okay. People are going to continue to die. Peace talks need to happen now, right now. Yeah, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen because now Vlad Vladimir Zelensky is asking for more money. And we'll get to those numbers. They they just approved the Biden administration this, this afternoon, approved billions more to Ukraine. So we'll show you those numbers a little bit later in the show. But Zelensky is now, as the gray zone has reported, the polling, they're trying to get as many soldiers as they can right now. So the gray zone reporting that uh, Ukraine is now pulling these, they're pulling people out of prisons in order to um, in in order to uh, uh, fight on the front lines, this is something that Gonzalo Lira though reported quite early, and uh, was silenced and um, named a conspiracy theorist for saying. And he was in Kiev reporting these things. Yeah, and so now, uh, according to the gray zone, I mean, this is reporting from the gray zone. Once condemned by Ukrainian officials and imprisoned for sadistic torture and other things, leaders of the notorious Tornado Battalion are free now under Zelensky's orders to go and fight for them. 
Um, it's unbelievable to think that, uh, you know, again, and according to uh, in July, Ruslan uh, Oleshenko, commander of the now disbanded Tornado Battalion, was freed as part of Zelensky's scheme to release prisoners with combat experience with an unwavering commitment to fascism. Onoshenko is known as a psychopath sadist who has done all sorts of horrible things. If you're reading along here, I don't want to ever say it out loud because we'll, you know, we'll get in trouble with these platforms. But he's done all manner of things. I'll just highlight these things here. Yeah. On and on the list goes. But these are the people that are now uh, being involved in the fighting. Um, and Zelensky is bringing in because these numbers are really remarkable. I'm curious to this um, combat experience. Like, does prison count? Do you get that experience in prison? Or if you're otherwise a sadist, do you also train? Like, do they, do they vet them? I'm, well, there's he was so, so many bad. questions. He was so bad... He, Imagine being so bad in the Ukrainian military that they send you to prison. And we've seen horrible things coming out of this, this war, right? So you're so bad that you were locked up before, right, as leader of the Tornado Battalion. But now we're letting you out because we need you right now. Well, because not too long ago, in fact, just one calendar year ago, it was acceptable to talk about how the Western world had concerns about extremists inside the Ukrainian army. We knew this. We were allowed to say it. As recently as one calendar year ago, we're not supposed to now, uh, but this was an existing concern for the United States State Department and other Western governments, particularly Israel. Um, so we knew this before. We pretend not to know it now. Yeah. Well, well, and I, I just really, really quick, I, like if we look at all the money we're sending, I know we're we're up over. I mean, we got to be close to 100 billion, right, over there, I think so. and also. Yeah. Have we ever confirmed that the five billion or the nine billion per month is still going over there? Because the one question I have is th that's more than Russia's entire military budget, right? That we've sent them basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah. how in the like where is this going? Like is this is this money just enriching people? Like we've got no accounting of this money whatsoever, and we're just like everybody's on board with just sending them whatever they need. But there's no accounting. So, like, I don't understand because the weapons are, I would assume, are not in that money we're sending. That's a completely different thing, I would assume. So where is all this money going? No, no. Accounting is just for you. When we get to the segment later on about how you need to file your taxes just to the letter, right? It's for us to get right. But when it comes to, like, sending aid to other, no, the government doesn't have to do that. Only us. And wasn't it the Panama Papers that revealed? I mean, I think it was the Panama Papers that revealed mm -hmm. all of the money that these guys had, and Zelensky specifically, that had in offshore accounts. So we know before the war, years before the war, and the United States sending billions into Ukraine, that these guys, you know, they were enriching themselves. Um, so, you know, how, how do you... Well, I guess how, that's... How do you become a billionaire politician? Like, yeah, look at, look at Afghanistan. Once, once we got out of there, we realized that that was just a way for them to send money in and then send it back to the pockets of all these people. And how are we so naive to think that that's not exactly what's going on right now? Because there's, there's zero accounting. So it's like, we're just going to send them an endless amount of money while we're dealing with inflation here. We're dealing with high gas prices. We've got so many things, M uh, Medicare for all, just healthcare, everything we could be working on here, homelessness, and it's all going over there. And, and the thing I don't understand most is like, there are people that are cheering this on. Yeah, we have a super chat from someone that says, do you think Ukraine is being depopulated so it can get rebuilt and repopulated? I mean, I don't know if it's in those direct terms, but it's absolutely being used 
right? It's absolutely being used as a field for war. It's being, it's a proxy war. And as you, one of Ukraine general just recently we featured here on the show talked about, Ukraine is being used as a test bed for, uh, for any testing of weapons possible. It's literally just a launch pad for this. Yes. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's, it's like, here's a canvas, just use our country and level our country. And as Noam Chomsky said, there's only one, there's only two ways this ends, right? Ukraine surrenders, there's a peace agreement, and eastern Ukraine on Donbass and et cetera isn't shelled anymore, and it's under Russian control. And that's it. And that's it. End of story. Or Ukraine is wiped off the map. There's only two ways this ends. I mean, if there's a third way, I'd love to hear about it. Um, but it's not going to, I don't see another way. So that, those were Noam Chomsky's thoughts. Yes. And we have a, we have a lot more to get to here on the show. We're going to look at that CBS story coming up next. Um, we're going to look at how CBS has censored itself. Kind of an unbelievable story that unfolded over the weekend at CBS. Once sort of like the bastion of journalism um, pulls this ridiculous story and members of Congress weighing in on that. They voted against military aid to Ukraine based on this CBS story that CBS is now censoring. So we'll talk about that. We're also going to look at this Amnesty International story uh, and why they are so sorry for the distress that their report last week has caused. Um, they are feeling the, the the big boot of the Ukrainian lobby lobbyists coming down on them hard. Plus, we're going to talk about taxes and the Inflation Reduction Act and what it's going to mean for you. Uh, there are some consequences, but we have help from tax expert Tom Wheelwright, and I'm excited about that conversation. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Stamps.com. Now, when you are running a small business, you always feel like you need to be in two places at once and, you know, planning your time out to go to the post office just to ship something. That's a drudgery, having to drop what you're doing and make a run to the post office before they close. That's something you don't need to do if you use Stamps.com. They are your 24-7 post office that you can access from anywhere. You can skip all the headaches and the lines and just use Stamps.com. They save you time, money, and stress. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. They give you access to all post office and UPS shipping services right from your computer, and you get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like 30% off USPS rates, 86% off UPS, so whether you're sending office, uh, whether you're an office sending invoices or an Etsy shop sending your products or a warehouse shipping out your orders, make mailing and shipping a breeze. Don't mail and ship the hard way. Sign up with stamps.com today and use our promo code REDACTED for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Uh, have you ever tried to estimate the weight of your package just or like, you know, stand on a scale yourself and then hold your package and then stand on it again? Uh, you don't need to do that. Get yourself one of those fancy scales. It's definitely worth it. Go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page and enter the code REDACTED. We got a lot of great chats coming in. And while you're in the chat room today, whether you're watching us on Rumble or you're watching us on YouTube, please, all you need to do is smash that like button. Very, very important because what it does is it actually pushes us further out into the, the algorithm. So whatever big tech company we're on, whether it's Rumble, whether it's uh, YouTube, whether it's Twitch, Twitter, wherever we are, just, you know, smash that like button and it really helps the show. That's uh, it's free. You know, it's free. That's all you can do. It really, really helps us. Um, thank you guys for all of your great comments here in the chat. We see you, Shammy, Daddy Smilkies. 
I love, love screen names. Is it Daddy's Milkies? Daddy's <laughs> Daddy's Smilkies. I can't really. Okay. Um, Lee Curtis. Yeah, I know. I know all your package comments. Angel baby cards. I was biting my tongue too on the. Why did I say something? No, I just. Phallic. No, my my mind was going to a dirty place. You know. Oh. So standing on. A you scale. said weigh your package. Yeah, and, and I was and like, I, oh, <laughs> like I just started thinking like. <laughs> Have I done that? You know, have I stood on a scale with my box that I, I mean, we've all back? done it. It's like, you know, sometimes ladies, have you ever done this where you stand on the scale with and without your bra to figure out like if your boobs are dead weight, like if they're weighing you down and if you weigh less, if they're lifted. How would that be? How is that even possible? Because boobies can be heavy. Yeah, but you with but a bra they, on, was just it, it's not like it's there. It's not like someone else is holding. It them. doesn't make a difference. Just sometimes you wonder about. If you ever want to, if you ever want to try that again, just give me. And a call. I also have sometimes, like when I was really nursing, I would nurse and then weigh myself again and see how much the baby ate. Wow, I didn't know this. You never. Told I kind of do the same thing. Weigh yeah. myself before I. Go to bed when you got pee and everything, and then in the morning when you pee, see if you're how much lighter you are. Then you yeah, kinda... yeah, I guess that's kind of the same. Yeah, and you're like, wow, yeah. I really I'm doing good on my weight loss, even though you haven't done anything. You just slept, you lazy <laughs> son of a. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, that's why you tune in, you guys. Uh, love you. <laughs> oh man, TRZ says, "Oh, you guys are only measuring the weight of your bra, not your boobs." I know, but she didn't think about. That. I know it was a it like it's a silly exercise that. Yes. Sometimes ladies do. It's not. It, this is not official science, you guys. <laughs> Thank you. No <laughs> scientists were harmed in this study, except maybe the nursing part. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this story. So CBS, you know, once the bastion of journalism, right? Well, I mean, the the network of Edward R. Murrow, right? Uh, the, the the home of sixty minutes for so many years is the place you tuned in on Sunday night to see. Oh my gosh, this investigative journalism—they're not going to stand for the corruption. They're going to go right after uh, and and cover these stories regardless uh, of how this might affect them. Right? That was CBS. So on Friday it was interesting because CBS tweeted out. Um, do we have a copy of the tweet? I don't know if we do or not. No, that's not the tweet. But so CBS on Friday tweeted out that they had a new documentary. We don't have it, Philip. Don't worry about it. So on, on Friday, CBS tweeted out that they have a new documentary that's going to be airing um, very, very soon uh, called Arming Ukraine. And it was a little teaser trailer that they, they, they tweeted out on Friday on their Twitter account. And a number of uh, Republicans were jumped all over and said, this is great. This confirms what I've thought about all of this money that we're sending to Ukraine, that it's a total scam, that we're sending money we can't keep track of. And in this little teaser trailer, CBS said 70% of everything we're sending, we just can't find it. That was in the teaser trailer. So Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert specifically um, confirmed, they said that this was a scam. Uh, they said two law... Here's a here's a story. Two GOP congressmen have cited a media report showing the most weapons shipped to Kiev aren't making it to the front lines. Republican lawmakers are feeling vindicated for opposing a $40 billion Ukraine aid package after a CBS News report showed that only 30% of the Western weapons flooding into the country are actually making it to the front lines. Okay, you see that? Great. This is great. CBS d does this story. They're doing a full documentary on the amount of waste and abuse of all of these taxpayer dollars going into Ukraine that's winding up on the black market and not even going to fight the war? This is amazing. This teaser trailer has now been taken down off of their website. 
They're now pulling the entire documentary and they're saying we might release it at a later time because of all of the backlash from from the liberal lobbyists who went after them, the neoliberal lobbyists who went after them. If you go to their website now to find that this is on the left, you could have seen that the the teaser for the documentary on the left side of your screen. Now, when you click on it, Army Ukraine page not found. The page cannot be found. You can't find it at all. So they accidentally told some truth. Mm -hmm. They didn't mean to. Right. And they were being accused of being pro-Russia because people who want to support this conflict don't want to hear anything negative about Ukraine being disorganized or possibly losing their fighting force. And so we just we can't have that. Right. It's just against the narrative. So take it down. No, and this is exactly, so Lauren Borbert tweeted this. She said, how many people were called Russian bots for saying this exact same thing back in March? She tweeted this. Um, and yeah, how many people were called Russian bots for saying this exact same thing? Now when CBS says it, it's perfectly fine. Whatever the case, glad the facts are out now. The majority of the Ukraine aid is a scam. So well, this all- look, clearly it's not perfectly fine. No, no, so this all sounds great, right? Like, wow, CBS did their job. They did some great reporting. They actually talk to people involved in the arms process in Ukraine, confirm that a huge portion of all of the money and aid is not going to Ukraine at all, but is in fact, we don't know where it is or it's being sold in the black market. We can't find it. But now CBS has removed the documentary under pressure and now you can't find it. But we still have a copy of the trailer, which they've also taken down. So we have a copy of the trailer, which is the CBS Ukraine uh, trailer. Let's take a look at what they tweeted on Friday, which has now been disappeared. Watch. In the past two months, we've moved weapons and equipment to Ukraine at record speed. Drones, grenade launchers, machine guns. We're seeing this incredible historic flow of weapons coming into Ukraine. Do we have any sense as to where they're going? We don't know. There is really no information as to where they're going uh, at all. You know, all this stuff goes to the border and then kind of like something happens. It kind of like 30% maybe reaches its final destination. 30%? Are you concerned about weapons getting in the wrong hands? I don't care at all whether that happens. What sort of a unit do you command? Can't say. Okay. You know, there are like power lords, uh, oligarchs, uh, political players. One of the biggest targets are convoys like this transporting weapons. Europeans had come to believe that that project of integration had effectively meant the banishment of armed force. All of a sudden, not far from the borders of the EU, was the most significant war since World War II. Watch it now. CBS reports arming Ukraine, but you can't watch it because we now deleted it and removed it. Now, later, uh, overnight, at like 1.30 in the morning, CBS tweeted like a little follow up to basically say, um, we're we're just holding it. We're going to release it at a later date. Uh, yes, they're saying we removed a tweet promoting our recent doc arming Ukraine which quoted the founder of the nonprofit Blue Yellow, Jonas Oman's assessment in late April that only around 30% of aid was reaching the front lines of Ukraine. 
Uh, since that time, Omen says delivery has improved. So they would like to update this and let us know, actually, no, it's not so bad. Additionally, the U.S. military has confirmed uh, that atta- Defense Attaché Brigadier General Garrick M. Harmon arrived in Kiev in August for arms control and monitoring. So we're updating this documentary to reflect this new information and air at a later date. Uh, so, okay. A later date. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like 32% now, I think, is what they're... Oh, 32. <laughs> yeah, it's been updated. Oh, yeah, we, could, yeah. We, 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 talked to, we talked to... And that's not just... I mean, they talked to multiple sources. So they're just throwing this one person under the bus. You know, think about all of the people that we've talked to here on this show. I mean, who've, you know, uh, who have intelligence community access, right? And talk to the intelligence community and they know we can't track this stuff. We don't know. And here, oh, here, by the way, it's showing up on the dark web. Here it is. You can buy these javelins. You can buy howitzers. You can buy all this stuff on the dark web. You want to pay $50,000 for this thing? It's all right here well, and available I I, for you. I think I heard three people say it in that documentary. That, yeah. that that or they weren't getting there. Not just one person. The person they're throwing under the bus. Well, there was only one person who gave that like thirty percent, right? But the rest of them said we can't track it. We don't really know. One guy said he didn't even care, right? Um, yeah. So okay, when we get to again the tax story later on the show today, um, I care as a taxpayer. Yeah, you know when we're writing those checks. Well, and then think about all the money that's going to Ukraine. So this afternoon, we got word that another billion was going to be sent to Ukraine over the weekend, of course. But now even more is, so that $1 billion here on your screen, that's a $1 billion weapons package. But then an additional um, an additional $5 billion. So they, like, they tacked on another $4 billion since this weekend to send to Ukraine. So again, these reports, and, and you know, Lauren Boebert and uh, what's her name, Marjorie Taylor Greene saying, I'm not voting for this stuff because it's a scam. And so here's what's going now in this new, here's the details of the new money that's going to Ukraine in this new package. This new weapons package includes additional ammunition for high mobility rocket systems, the HIMARS, 75,000 rounds of artillery ammunition for those uh, uh, 155 millimeters, Um, mortar systems, uh, national advanced surface to air missiles, another thousand javelins, which will probably wind up on the dark web again, 50 armored medical treatment vehicles, Claymore anti-personal munitions, C4 explosives, medical supplies. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, this number here, it says the United States has now committed approximately $9.8 billion in security assistance since the beginning of the Biden administration, although that number is much higher when we talk about the private military contracts that are just posted to the government website every single day as if that is discretionary spending. You don't need to look at that, right? Yeah. I'd love to hear what our viewers think about this. I mean, do you agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene on this, Lauren Boebert, that most of this is a scam? I think we've shown you the evidence that it is. Um, and CBS was trying to show you the evidence of this. But the I, I think, you know, who, what lobbying groups st- stood up and said, hey, CBS, we're going to pull our funding. The money that we give to you in form of advertising and other ways, we're going to pull it. You do not air this documentary. Get rid of this documentary. Do some, Make it go away is basically what they were told, right? Um, we'll see, though. If it comes back, it'll be edited. We'll see if it's watered down. Um, um, but separately, other mili- other mainstream media sources have been saying something very similar. So, you know, this is not a narr- This is a narrative that the administration is going to have to work hard to continue to whack-a-mole, mm-hmm. right, um, as it continues to somehow want to open its wallet and want all of us to support this, even though, again, 
uh, people are dying every single day. Well, and, that's, and this is just another testament as to why you want to pay more attention to independent media because this is this is them silencing truth that gets to you. I, I remember, do you remember Clayton and Ellie, the, the 2020 story? They were tracking milk. They were going to be talking about how dairy and, and cow, like mad cow disease and stuff like that. And the dairy lobby actually lobbied the, the channel and got them to, to remove this documentary on milk because it was going to hurt their sales. So that is what drives our narratives from the mainstream media is money. If it goes against the narrative that's going to cost these big corporations money, they pull it. And so that's all we get is watered down news that corporations approve, basically. Yeah, I remember in local news, I've told this story before, but it's, it bears repeating. When I was, in, uh, I was in West Virginia, I was in local news, and there was a big story with a big car dealership at the time. And the, the car dealership was well known, it, and, it, and it was responsible for funneling money to the news stations, right? They would buy advertising all the time. When you're in local news, all of the advertisements are like, come down to Crazy Eddie's Car Emporium, da da da. Every commercial block is for car sales, right? Yeah. In, in local markets. So that's a huge source of revenue for these local little affiliate television stations. Well, there was a big story with one of these car dealerships where the owner did something nefarious, there was some issue, and we were going to report it because it was all over the place and we were going to cover the story. And our general manager at the time said, don't cover the story, we're not doing the story, because he had gotten a phone call, basically, from you know, the car dealership. You do this story, I'm pulling my funding. I'm pulling my advertising, basically. Yeah. So guess what? The station didn't run the story. We didn't do the story. And that's small local news. How right. much does that happen you know, on a national scale. Well, right? it has it's to a happen disservice. a lot because if you think about it, because like, think about it, Rachel Maddow alone, Rachel Maddow alone, $30,000 a day was her salary. They got to cover that. So they have to have those advertisements. If Otherwise, because everybody has these bloated salaries. You got people taking limos to work. They live this lavish lifestyle. And so you're paying for that. And if, they're, if that's threatened, because they're not getting the viewership that they used to, so they're 100% reliant on these corporations to pay for that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Rachel Maddow. There was a Vanity Fair article about her this morning that I thought was really fascinating look at why she wanted to stop doing her daily show Monday through Friday, um, you know, because she's 49, her body no longer can take doing this amount of news reporting. But at the same time, how she, she was asked about the Steele dossier and why she went all in on that and why it almost felt like, and I did watch Rachel Maddow pretty consistently for... Um, a good part of my third pregnancy. And, uh, you know, I did feel like, and like she was almost promising me that Trump was going to, his downfall was coming basically any down, day now. And I had to tune in the next day to see how close we were going to get to that thing happening because it felt very soap opera-ish, right? Um, and she said, well, you know, there was this, she gave an example of something that happened with Dan Rather. I can't remember exactly what the story the was. Bush the, uh, yeah, the Bush documents. The Bush documents. That's mm -hmm. what it was. And she said just because that document was fake didn't mean the story was. And she didn't... I, I thought it was So really... she's justifying the... Okay, so the whole Steele dossier is a total fabrication. Yes. By Democrats and Hillary Clinton. But the story is real. So she the like story her conviction was, was so that strong. she still believes that the Trump administration had close ties with Russia and that there still is something there. Right. Which I do think that the Trump administration did actually commingle with Russia in a way that uh, 
in the end, it seemed like a lot of ignorance. They didn't know, like, you can't meet with that guy. You can't take this favor, right? Um, that's a whole other bag of worms. What's the whole other ball of wax? Yeah, whole you, other yeah. Pandora's box. A uh, whole other cat's pajamas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think, you know, she's what she's saying now is that cable news is morphing into something and we had this voice at one time and we don't need to have it anymore and now we're competing on the on the platform that was where newspapers were basically 15 years ago and so cable news is dying we know these big salaries are going away that's why she has this sort of multimedia deal where she's going to do podcasts and movies and books and then only be on the air for major news because she does feel like there's the writing on the wall for cable news and, and I could, don't know if she accepts responsibility for that because there's no credibility there anymore, right? So when we get to this Roger Waters story later, it just feels like you've lost your credibility because you are entertainment products, right? Optimistic mm-hmm. in our chat says, wow, she's a former Maddow viewer. She probably still has much more deprogramming to go through. Do you feel <laughs> that? And that's a good thing. That's a good question. I mean, you would watch Rachel Maddow a lot. I think that I was very addicted to the drama of it. Like every day I thought that I was going to get closer to seeing something happen to the Trumps. And I was absolutely convinced at the time that they were guilty. Um, I don't feel that way anymore, but I really worked myself up to feel like they did. And it was addicting and it, it played into my own conviction bias. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of it, like after you had made that realization, did you blame Rachel Maddow for that? Or did you blame blame corporate media as a whole for that? Like, do you now not respect her or, or do you still feel something for her? Um, That's a hard question because I really felt like it's not that I don't respect her. I do feel like I was like a lot of hot air was blown in my direction. And, I, uh, you know, but how can you still respect her when she knew? Um, she knew. And I guess was... and I guess I should say respect as a journalist, not as a person, because I've seen her as a person and she does some good things, you know, but as a journalist, you're yeah, as a person. That's a different animal. Right? Well, it's as interesting. A... She talks about her relationship with Tucker Carlson, right? Because they worked together. He hired her. He was her first on air boss and they still have a really good friendship. And they talk about how they both do the same thing. It from reverse angles, like try to engage their viewers, try to tell a story, try to paint a long picture. They both write their whole first a blocks themselves, right? They both have a lot of conviction and they have a lot of respect for each other, even if they don't respect each other's politics. And I think that there was something in that that really spoke to me as what we try to do is like tell a narrative, ask questions, uh, but really they, they paint big pictures, right? And they're like, this is the picture you must accept. And I think I want to offer our, our audience a big picture, but not tell them exactly how to see it, right? And so I think I was reading it from that perspective and how she's done a good job of, of using historical perspective to tell stories in a way that people weren't used to before, and I'm glad for that. Um, but I do, yes, I do feel disappointed that I was led down this rabbit hole, and now that I'm sort of through the looking ga- glass, I feel differently. Yeah, I mean, look... I- 
We mad? All, I don't know. I don't mad, know about mad. We all grow, right? And we all learn. I, I, that's what our mission on this show is to present you with the facts. And we follow the facts wherever they go. And if they show us something that maybe personally we wouldn't like to see, we, we present it and show you. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not... We're not Democrats. We're not Republicans. We're no. independents on this show. Um, I think both of I think we think both of these parties are absolutely corrupt. Um, and so, you know, remember all of the you know Republicans uh, spend just as much money, if not more, than Democrats, and Democrats spend a ton of money and get us into these wars. And so, both of these machines yes. they're part of one corporate machine that is fueled by this corporate media. So it's all it's like we're up against this beast. And there are people that will literally sit and put on like CNN or Fox and they'll just turn it on and they'll leave it on all day. Yes. All day. Well, and they just sit there and like I think drones. The biggest, <laughs> that was my grandmother. I'd go to her house and she had Fox News on with that ticker all day long. But anyway, you know, one thing that is like the, when you realize that the system is corrupt, but these people are 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 just doing this a lot of times for a job because i remember when i was running the the ron paul campaign and we were doing some interviews and stuff some of the the news guys that would be on the, the air talking and answering questions about the negative side of the ron paul campaign as soon as the mic was off and they were walking by with their cameraman they'd lean over and they'd go ron paul 2012 like they were ron paul fans but they couldn't be they couldn't be that on air because yeah. they are so scared because there's a narrative that they are forced. And you said you didn't really deal with that at Fox, right? Clayton, you never really but were you know what? said, hey, you can't say this. A lot of the things, though, that we cover on this show are things that I just bought into for a long time. It's like, no, that can't be, Clayton. That's fake. That's not true. And the more you go down this rabbit hole of researching for yourself... You have to break free of this narrative yourself, right? So, like I said, I was all in on this. Oh, yes, Trump did something wrong. This is a real scandal. This is the end of our country, right? And then now I feel completely different. And I see these January 6th hearings and I'm like, this is a media circus. And this is the media trying to reclaim what inflamed us all during the Trump years. And yeah, I feel burned by that. Absolutely. I think the mark, and I told Natalie this recently, I think the mark of a... Uh, I think the mark of an intelligent person is the ability to be flexible. Like if someone is inflexible, run away from that person. Like if someone it with facts are presented to you and you, and you can't then alter your opinion of it after facts are presented to you, run away from that person. That's a dangerous person. And so, you know, we all learn and grow. Um, I mean, there's stories I'm constantly shocked by, or I see like a different side of it as I do even more and more research on a particular story. We should constantly be learning. We should constantly be thinking. And I got news for you. None of us are perfect. I mean, you know, we all make mistakes every day. So, yeah. um, well, and that's why I really respect the, 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 uh, Chris Hedges and people like that, that are like so willing and so determined to tell the truth that they will walk away from a corporate job just to do that. Mm -hmm. That's a rare thing because a lot of them, you get into that lifestyle, you get comfortable, you're not going to make that kind of money anywhere else. And so you're kind of stuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's called golden handcuffs. You know, yeah. that's the sad state of affairs. They get allured by this idea of the mainstream media and they don't think, you know, look, we're independent, right? We, we, we don't, we don't have any corporate overlords on this channel with any billionaires telling us what to say. We get to do our own show and cover the news um, that we want to cover that we think is important and that is not going to get coverage in the mainstream media. So if you'd be so kind, if, if we're bringing you any value at all, golden silence is a new member. I'll just go ahead and smash that like button. 
Um, and also, you know, when you smash that like button, it really helps out. But then you can become a channel subscriber. When you do, your name will pop up here on our little board. So thank you for that golden silence. It's very fun. Um, we've got more news to get to. We're going to talk about um, what's coming up with Amnesty International. So Amnesty International had their big report last week that kind of shocked a lot of people for them breaking their silence on what was happening in Ukraine. Uh, well, now they're sort of walking it back <laughs> once again under pressure. We'll tell you what's going on there. Uh, we're going to look at Roger Waters taking on corporate media and CNN, one of my, one of my favorites, Roger Waters. Uh, Pink Floyd fame. I know some people, he rubs some people the wrong way, but he rubs me the right way. Um, and we're also going to look at the inflation bill. We've got a guest on the show, Tom Wheelwright, who's one of the smartest tax accountants in the country. He's got a new book out. Um, and we're going to talk about the inflation bill that's coming up in Congress. Uh, but first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Nugenics. Are you, you know, getting older and getting a dad bod? Not me. <laughs> Thanks to Nugenics. No, um, if you're like David and you're getting a dad bod, maybe you feel a little less like your old self. You don't have time to work out, but you want the energy and the body that you once had. Well, Nugenics is the answer. And once you take it, you're going to feel revived. And you, you, know, you start working out like you used to, feeling like you just can't get in shape. It's not your fault. As men age, our bodies naturally lose free testosterone, the man hormone. So if you want more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafen will help you turn back the clock, re-energize re your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. So Nugenics Total T contains man-boosting key ingredients like Testafen. It has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Uh, while every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. With Nugenics Total T, you get the same clinical potency levels used in the trials. That's right. Nugenics Total T is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. So guess what? You're going to get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text the word redacted to 231-231. Text right now, if you got your phone out, just text the word, text, you go to 231-231 on your phone and text the word redacted. And you'll get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast. Absolutely free. Text the word redacted to 231-231. Text redacted to 231-231. Message and data rates may apply. Terms available at eugenics.com slash terms. So when you support our friends, you support our show. We are independent journalists here on this show. Uh, and so when you support them, you help support our channel. So our thanks to them. So the chat room is discussing whether or not I am a Democrat um, because someone said, the rainbow gives it away. And I wonder if they're talking about my watch band. Oh, someone the other day said, oh, Natalie's wearing a woke rainbow. I said, you realize my, my five-year-old daughter draws rainbows on everything that she draws. She always puts a rainbow in everything. Yeah. And so like my wife has a rainbow. It, it is it, not a political statement. It's not a woke I just out. like and, rainbows. Know, and she loves every single when, piece when of silverware. Rainbow, <laughs> when did rainbows freaking get co-opted by the woke left? By, it, oh, it doesn't have to be a political statement. We I know. just like, like I wearing say, all, all the colors. All of my silverware is rainbow colored. Like it's every ridiculous. single piece of silverware I have in my house is rainbow colored. Yeah. Now, I know there are people and that would I like far you to think woke. that it is. Like, oh, you're, you're good. You're supporting the cause. It's like, no, no, I like rainbows. 
Like my daughter um, draws rainbows. I think rainbows. this was made by Apple for Pride Month, um, which is you know whatever. But I just I just really I saw it on a. I sat on a Peloton teacher and I was like, I want to wear that. That <laughs> matches like, everything. I like rainbows. It's I got every like color. color, so it matches every outfit. Yeah, so don't pigeonhole me by what I'm wearing or so not wearing. Tomorrow I'm going to wear a Ukrainian flag pin. Okay, do Let's whatever see, you want. People, oh, he's one. And I'll wear a Russian one, so we'll be balanced. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm going to wear a toupee see what people think. <laughs> All uh, right, I mean... No. So. I don't know. But I, I thought that was funny. I, I don't, I didn't think that anyone would. No, every, someone wrote, think me, anything wrote about, me an email. My email is redacted, uh, Clayton at redacted.inc, by the way. Um, someone sent me an email and said, I love your show. I love what you guys talk about. But I think your wife's got a woke agenda because she's got a rainbow, uh, rainbow watch band. An and agenda. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, the agenda is our five-year-old draws rainbows on everything and we love rainbows and that's it. Literally, that's it. But yeah, hope that's okay. Well, so, so maybe, maybe I'm just, I'm ignorant maybe because I'm, you know, but whatever. Yes. But let's move on. Let's say, no, let's I'm say, just joking. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at what point, so, so let's say that, you know, like Natalie does support pride. At what point did it become that like, if you are on one side of the political spectrum, you absolutely cannot support transgender, uh, gay, like what, how, how does that work? You know, I like, don't like, know. Yeah. Like it, that's a great question. Cause I was thinking can, about the same thing. You can be thing. both. Like, and also if, if I, if I do, like I bought this knowing that the money would go towards Apple's whatever pride and I'm not wearing it as any political statement, but I'm fine for whatever Apple decided to sell it. I decided to buy it. I do support gay rights, but it's not like my cause de celeb. I just want to wear it and I don't want to put anything in your face at all. Right. Well, and that's the, that's the thing that I argue all the time. It's like people plant these flags and it's like you're either left or right because anything that I say that is slightly right leaning on Facebook or wherever, I am a Trump supporting homophobic racist. You know, like that's like where people go. And it's like you just can't have this nuance because I support a lot of left leaning stuff, right leaning stuff. I just I go where the where the issue leads me, not where a party takes me or a color. Yes, this is very redactive. Reductive. Redactive. Our show yes. is called Redactive. Redacted, yeah. Um, and I recently learned that people think who people who wear Brooks Brothers pajamas are Republicans. Did you know that's a thing? Really? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> who out there has Brooks Brothers pajamas? Because I'm going to come to your house <laughs> and call you a Republican to your face. Kathy Especially if they're monogrammed. Can you put this one up on the screen? Kathy Mello in her chat. Uh, I just lost it. I scrolled by. Kathy Mello says that rainbows were taken over by the LGBTQR. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate your opinion. Uh, that counts. But yeah. So I, I know, you know, these groups and these things co-op these names and symbols and all this stuff. So anyway, whatever, you know, it's fine to have a, have a symbol to represent your cause, but you can't then automatically assume that anybody who dons it it does. It doesn't always have to have a meaning either. It can. It doesn't have right, to. Right. It's not like you support every cause just because you. You know. It's like I'm wearing a blue shirt right now. It doesn't mean I support every cause that uses blue as a color. And it. Well, it's interesting then that someone would say, "Well, I would. I'm going to filter out her opinions because of the watch, <laughs> right. because I think that right. she is overly woke." Right. Here's the other thing. Again, I come back to something that Dr. Wayne Dyer said uh, to me one time in an interview. Um, I believe it was. 
in an interview. I, I can't remember. I talked to him a couple of times uh, over the years when I was interviewing him and talking in the, in the green room. And a huge, I, mean, I love Dr. Wayne Dyer, right? And he would be on stage and he would say in front of 2,000 people, he's like, there are, I'm in front of 2,000 people right now. There are 2,000 different opinions of me. And none of them matter. The only opinion of me that matters is my own, right? But mm -hmm. so people get so focused on, I'm going to try to please everybody. I'm never, you know, you can never please anybody. You can't please everybody, right? Well, so and also 2, they get so different on, people. No way. Yeah, and you get you get so focused on not being able to have a conversation with the other side. Like, what good is that? I'll mm -hmm. have conversations. I don't care if you're woke. I don't care if you're broke. I don't care where you come from, what color you are, what anything. I, that none of that matters to me as long as you're a good person that wants to sit down and have a conversation. I want to have conversations with every side because how are you going to understand the nuance if you don't have conversations? Darth Fader in our chat says you can't even wear a red hat anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Although we were at a um, at a resort and there was like a breakfast buffet just a couple weeks ago, and there was a young boy who couldn't have been more than fourteen who had a T-shirt with just the F word on it, that, and the resort made him put duct tape on it because there were small kids there. Um, so I want to say, don't judge people by what they're wearing, but accept that. Yeah. Maybe not wear an F shirt like around little kids at a just an idea. I used to have a George Carlin that shirt that said Simon says go F yourself. <laughs> All right. Maybe not wearing to a family. But you didn't resort. wear them as a five year old in your pajamas. No, yeah. but I was that, that rebellious, you know, twenty year old that wore it like, yeah, in your face. And then as later I was like, that's just dumb. Why did I you know? Like I didn't have to do that. All right. Well, All I right. hope you can look past whatever it is we're wearing so we can move on and talk about the next story. Yes. Uh we want to talk about the Amnesty International story that we talked about last week because it did not take long for them to issue an apology about their investigation on the war in Ukraine. So they released a statement just yesterday. The statement says that Amnesty International deeply regrets the distress and anger that our press release on the Ukrainian military's fighting tactics has caused. Since the invasion began in February 2020, Amnesty International has been rigorously documenting and reporting on war crimes and violations committed in Ukraine, speaking to hundreds of victims and survivors whose stories illuminate the brutal reality of Russia's war of aggression. We have challenged the world to demonstrate its solidarity with Ukrainians through concrete action, and we will continue to do so. So this opening paragraph is saying, look, we support Ukraine we never meant to hurt Ukraine. We are not saying we are not pro-Ukraine. We want the whole world to support Ukraine. But they go on to say that they do still stand by the reporting that they did, that in all 19 instances that they looked into, they found Ukrainian forces had located themselves right next to where civilians were living, thereby potentially putting them at risk from incoming Russian fire. And they said that they had interviewed people in this area and confirmed that no Ukrainian force had tried to evacuate any of these areas and that there were, in many instances, empty forests, empty fields, empty parking lots where the these forces could have been set up, but they were purposely putting civilians in harm. Which is amazing that they felt the need to issue a press release. They've never done this before. Right, and it's They've interesting. They've never released a press release apologizing for their investigations into humanitarian and war crime violations. Like, what the, is it their responsibility because somebody got their 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 uh, ass chapped? You know, in America, like some lobbyists who are donating to uh, neoliberal causes, like were upset about 
oh, you know what? We donate a lot of money to you at Amnesty International, and we're a big liberal funder here, so we can't continue to do that, George Soros. I'm looking at you. Like, we can't continue to funnel all of... They survive on donations. Right. right? I mean, in the 1980s, I mean, I was a fan of Amnesty International back when I learned from, like, Sting talking about Amnesty International, like, in the 1980s. Because he, I remember him talking about he liked how they would focus on one singular thing at a time. They would zero in on something. They'd do a deep investigation on it. And they would pour all of their heart and soul into trying to fix one specific thing at a time. And then everyone was wondering, why are you guys ignoring what's going on in Ukraine? Why has Amnesty International been so silent? You guys are shills. What's going on here? And then suddenly everyone loses their mind last week when they released this international report. They're like, oh, my God, they woke up. Well, and, because and, and now it was sort of like cover for the mainstream media could now start writing about it. It was almost like cover. It was like, here you go. It was almost like as if the Red Cross had written something about it. And then everyone's like, oh, my God, maybe we should start covering what's the atrocities that have been happening in Ukraine for the last eight years that we've friggin' ignored. Right. Because anything that's critical of Ukraine is deemed pro-Russian which again is incredibly simplistic, overly redactive, reductive. Reductive. And so we just, uh, we just can't say it, right? And wrong, by the way. And sure, absolutely it's wrong. But I see it even in our chat, like, oh, saying these things about Ukraine that's critical and depressing is pro-Russian. It's not. We haven't said anything pro-Russian at all. We're not speaking at all about, about Russian tactics at this point. We're just talking about how these things affect innocent civilian lives, right? And so I'm just curious in this response, who are they opposing, uh, who are they apologizing to for upsetting, right? We regret the distress and anger, but to who, right? Because George Soros. if you are a Ukrainian and you realize this is happening to your fellow citizens, that they are being put in harm's way by this war, you might feel grateful for this investigation validating what you're going through right no, yeah but you're hurting the feelings of western liberals uh and liberal elites and corporatists but not, then, and not even by the way just uh and not even just liberals i mean it's part of the machine right but i want to sort of play it out as if we take this for for the value of what they're saying so we're sorry basically if we've upset anybody who is ukrainian about saying something that we think is true so then look at another story they covered today, just this one, about amnesty denounces further arbitrary arrests and excessive use of force in Guinea, right? It seems that civilians are being brutally um, treated by the government in Guinea. So should they, if, if I'm from that area, that might be very upsetting, even if it's true. Should they apologize for that? No, what they should be apologizing for is their lack of coverage of what the United States has been doing around the world. Maybe there's a good start. Maybe the United States should apologize. Look, we're covering what's happening in Ukraine and Guinea, but we're not covering what the United States has been doing in Syria, in Somalia. And oh, by the way, yeah, yeah. In the United States just stole enormous amounts of oil from the Syrian people and taken over their oil fields. Like, what about that? Or the countless civilians that are killed in war zones. Or, or what about Iraq or Afghanistan? Maybe that's what they should be apologizing for. Even Grover agrees with that. Um, who's our dog, by the way? Um, that's maybe what they should be apologizing for. But instead, they're apologizing for a report which 
anyone who's been studying this and journalists who've been in this area for any length of time know exactly what has happened. Here was the tweet on Friday when they tweeted this out about their article, Amnesty International. Ukrainian forces have put civilians in harm's way by establishing bases and operating weapon systems in populated residential areas. That's, of course, confirmed. Um, then if we go through the article, I mean, you go through all of these details about uh, if we scroll through the article, um, this was this was the big piece that broke the Internet last week. Um, you creating fighting tactics, endangering civilians. You can read it on their website. Um, you can go through all of the details on it. Um, I like what Michael Tracy had to say about it this afternoon. Michael Tracy is a good thinker on all of this stuff. He tweeted this today. And he said, this report by Amnesty International is scrupulously even-handed and goes out of its way not to exculpate Russia, whose war conduct is also, it also condemns. But that's not enough for media think tankers who demand adherence to a propaganda narrative, not facts. Bingo, right? I mean, they say over and over again that we still think it was Russian aggression. We still think they started it. We still condemn Russia for this. But being on the defense, this is what it says in the original report, being on the defense does not excuse you from humanitarian law. Um, And you cannot claim ignorance of this. Like, oh, we just didn't know that we couldn't set up our base in a kindergarten that was in session. Right. Right. Um, there, there's no excuse for this. They go on to say that they did report these things to the Ukrainian army, but they can't reveal those reports to us because of public safety, obviously. Um, but yes, over and over again, they say, we're not on Russia's side, just so you know. If you need any further evidence of this, and if you missed our show last week, just to give you some context on all this, Eva Bartlett, who is in, who just left Donetsk, she was there at a hotel that was just bombed. Um, she, she wrote, uh, me the other day saying that she couldn't even get internet access. She had to hide in a closet as the, the hotel was being bombed by, by Ukrainian forces, um, in civilian areas. And this was her reporting. They're releasing these little pedal mines everywhere, um, which are, um, which are uh, kids are walking up to and grabbing. And here's one of the videos of the pedal mines exploding when a gentleman throws a, a car tire on it to explode it. These are all in residential areas. Watch this video. Keep your eyes down. That's the advice walking around Donetsk now after Ukraine fired missiles containing butterfly or petal mines last night. They litter the streets, parks, apartment courtyards. They are everywhere. And because of their small size and neutral color, they're easy to miss. One fatal step and that's your foot or leg gone. Yeah, so these are in playgrounds. They're putting them in kids' playgrounds. And kids are going up to them like, look what I found. And not for very long because it you know, basically instantly kills them. Um, that's what happens. Um, so CNN is now even managing to cover what's been unfolding in Ukraine. And they did a report with Matthew, I think it was Matthew Chance, um, who did a report on how Ukrainians are now fleeing Ukraine and heading towards the Russian-held areas and into Russia to get away from this aggression. This is CNN now reporting this. Watch. Waiting and waiting. Families, pets, possessions loading them down all crossing to the Russian-occupied territory south of Zaporizhia. This is what's slowing everything up here, the deep mud, cars just getting bogged down, sliding all over. This one just managing to get through, and the reason they're coming this way, quite simple, the bridges are blown up. 
by Ukraine. Ukrainian emergency services doing their best to get people through the rain-sodden fields. We've had to drag a few trucks out today, the commander says, but it's drying out and getting easier. Known as the Green Corridor, it's where people cross to and from Russian-occupied territory. But something odd this day, the traffic almost entirely one way. Of an estimated 6,000 people stuck on the Russian side, only 76 crossed. Many, many hundreds went the other way. Yeah. Where are you going? To Kherson. Uh, why? Because my parents live in Kherson. Is it dangerous because there are Russians controlling it? I know, I know this. But I must to take uh, from parents from Kherson to my city, Odessa. Everyone leaving Ukrainian-controlled territory telling us a similar thing. They expect to come back, even if it appears they're not. I'm taking my mother to the other side, he says, and picking up my grandmother. When we ask why he is taking his young daughter, he shrugs. Yeah, because, again, they're going and they're staying and they're leaving this area and they're tired of the shelling, they're tired of the attacks, and they're continuing to go. Yes, this report just shows vehicle after vehicle packed full of people saying, just go in there for now. He says later on, you know, if they're... If they are, no one's willing to admit that they're going to stay, but they, it looks like they have many of their worldly possessions with them. They don't That's their, they're taking camera. a play out of the old Ted Cruz playbook. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going for a couple of days. I'm just going for a couple of days. That's right. <laughs> I'm just going for a couple of days. So, yeah, that's the very latest on Amnesty International. Coming up here on the show, we're going to look at what, uh, speaking of CNN, on the other side of it, uh, Roger Waters, uh, one of the founding members of Pink Floyd, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorites, by the way, Pink Floyd, of course, and Roger Waters. I've seen him in concert a couple of times. Um, Huge, huge fan. Um, and he just eviscerated CNN. And we're going to unpack this uh, story uh, a little bit later here as we look at what's going on with Roger Waters taking on CNN. Uh, we're also going to look at the reconciliation bill, which is the uh, Inflation Reduction Act uh, that Democrats are looking to pass this Friday, see if they can pull it off. Uh, special guest Tom Wheelwright is going to be joining us here in just a moment. You do not want to miss that. But my fellow Americans, if you have an IRA, you have a 401k, or you've got a savings account, things are scary out there. The Biden administration has already been printing more money in the past two years than the previous 100 years combined. The national debt hit a record $30 trillion, and inflation is the highest we've seen since 1982. It's only a matter of time before the house of cards comes crashing down. Now, if you have retirement savings, your money could be at serious risk. So I want you to talk to my friends over at Gold Co. to see how you can protect your retirement with gold and silver before it's too late. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to redactedlikesgold.com. See it there in the red bar on your screen? the tiny little red bar on your screen down that says redactedlikesgold.com. That's the website you want to go to. They'll give you up to $10,000 or more in free silver when you open up a qualifying account. That's Gold Co. That's the website at redactedlikesgold.com is the place to go to get up to $10,000 or more in free silver when you open a qualifying account. Again, go to redactedlikesgold.com. That is the place to go to sign up. And I don't know if you saw it today, but gold hitting, um, I think, up over $1,800 an ounce. The target price for gold is up to $2,500 an, for an ounce of gold. So again, 
Now, you have these companies, uh, you have these countries right now, like Russia and Brazil and India and China and South Africa, which are tying themselves to the benefits of gold and silver and precious metals. That is uh, smart. That is smart to have your tie, yourself uh, tied to these precious metals. All right, let's talk about CNN, shall we? Let's talk about Roger Waters. So Roger Waters gave an explosive interview over the weekend um, uh, with uh, Michael Smirkanish, uh, who is a uh, Philadelphia radio host who does uh, CNN broadcasts now over the past few years. And I want to, I'll just sort of set it up by showing you a tweet from Max Blumenthal, who tweeted this. And he said, this is the first time that I've seen a CNN guest take on the network's jingoistic halfwits to the woodshed on Ukraine and Taiwan so comprehensively in such a short amount of time. And it was Roger Waters who did it. Now, this is stunning because CNN doesn't have on dissenting voices like this often. And it was hilarious to watch Michael Smirkanish is a bit of a fanboy about Pink Floyd and Roger Waters. So he insisted on doing this interview Right, he was the one that was going to do this interview with Roger Waters, and he he dresses up in his black T-shirt so he can look like I'm one of the guys. Yeah, I'm hanging out with my boy Roger, and he even says, "My friend Roger Waters, my friend Roger Waters, my friend. (laughs) I'm friends with him. I'm sure. I'm going to hang out with him. I'm going to you know talk politics, and and uh, we're going to get to the heart of the matter on Ukraine and Taiwan. But Roger Waters just unleashes a torrent of truth bombs on CNN." Uh, chances like him uh, of, of him ever coming back on the air, not likely. But let's just play the first part of this interview, Roger Waters taking on CNN. Just watch this. Well, he's fueling the fire in the Ukraine for a start. That is a huge crime. Why won't the United States of America uh, encourage Zelensky, the president, to negotiate, obviating the need for this horrific, horrendous war but you're, that's you're, killing. You're blaming. How, we don't know how many you. But you're blaming the party Russians. that got invaded. Come on, you've got it reversed. Well, no, I, well that's that you. You know, any war. When did it start? What you need to do is look at the history, and you can say, well, it started on this day. You could say it started in 2008. Okay, it's basic. This war is basically about. The action and reaction of NATO pushing right up to the Russian border, which they promised they wouldn't do when Gorbachev negotiated the withdrawal of the USSR from the whole of Eastern Europe. When you say this, then I have to say, what about our role as liberators? You of all people, with you have no role as liberators. World War II, World War II. You, you, you got into first of all. Let's just pause it there. I love this. This is always the thing, right? That we got to go back to this World War II thing. Right. Yeah. And he says, and then I have to say, as if someone's telling him to say that we are liberators. And then, of course, they always go back to World War Two as the uh, as the talking point. Well, what about World War Two? Well, let's unpack World War Two a little bit. Roger doesn't do this, but you wait. He does. Oh, oh he does. Oh, yeah, he does. You, uh, we wait till 1944 on D-Day to, you know, move into Europe. Right. As Winston Churchill said, you, you, Americans will always do the right thing as the last resort. Right. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm not quoting it exactly. Maybe someone in the chat can give me the exact Winston Churchill quote on that. But like this idea that somehow we're the liberators and that's of the planet. Right. Is what he's insinuating. Right. right? So in every conflict, then that is our role on the globe. We're just liberators and we're going to force democracy down your throat while we don't adhere to it at home. Anyway, here's Roger Waters continuing. 
Protecting you and me you from would, the Nazi you, menace. Hey, and you would think the Russians would have learned their lesson from war and wouldn't have invaded Ukraine. Well, no, you, the exact you, opposite of that, you fool. You fool. Maybe they did learn their lesson from Nazis. And maybe that's exactly why they did what they did in Ukraine. Exactly. I mean, this is a, for eight years that the shelling has continued, right? Why do you well, think and they, they did and, what they did? And what, and they gave us a warning. He, he gave us how eight years of warning that that's what he was going to do. He's like, we need to work this out. Let's work this out. But we didn't listen. Right. Let him finish because it's it's great. Okay. Water, Roger Waters. Here's Roger. On, and also. Fair? With all your reading, I would suggest you, Michael, <laughs> that you go away and read a bit more and then try and figure out what the United States would do if the Chinese were putting um, nuclear-armed missiles into Mexico and Canada. The Chinese are too busy encircling Taiwan as we speak. Okay? They're not encircling Taiwan. Taiwan is part of China. And oh. that's been absolutely accepted by the whole of the international community since 1948. And if you don't know that, you're not reading enough. Go and read about it. I love this. <laughs> My favorite, he, I love where he just keeps telling him, read about it, learn. Because obviously these guys don't, they're not learned on it. They don't know the history of it or they're willfully ignorant of it. Or you are only reading online articles that are reducing something to 500 words and you think you're reading. That's not reading. Right. Sit you're down using and read Google a book. to do your research. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why, why did Russia invade Ukraine? Like, let me Google search that and read the CNN articles that come up as right. a result of it That's or the Wikipedia not the entry, same. the garbage, right? No, no, read books by actual journalists who've spent years in these areas. Read, read, read. And he just keeps telling him to read. I love this. And this goes back in his history. I mean, Roger has always talked about reading. Educate yourself. Educate yourself. Um, I just love how he just dismantles him. That's well, the let's watch the second part because then he continues to say these are just media narratives. Like in the end, he uses a word that I have never mastered. He says it's all just bullets. The Chinese are too busy encircling Taiwan as we speak. Okay? They're not encircling Taiwan. Taiwan is part of China. And oh. that's been absolutely accepted by the whole of the international community since 1948. And if you don't know that, you're not reading enough. Go and read about it. Okay. Did we solve anything here this today? Is, no. Well, yeah, we did. Well, I mean, no, we didn't. I mean, Nancy, you're, believe, you're believing your propaganda, your side's propaganda. You're defining but it as Taiwan, propaganda. You, cannot, you can't have a conversation about human rights, and you can't have a conversation about Taiwan without actually Roger, doing the reading. Roger, if you're having a conversation about human rights, at the top of the list of offenders are the Chinese. Why is it always the Western uh, world? The top of why, your list? why is it the always Chinese the Western didn't world? invade Iraq and kill a million people in 2003? In fact, as far as I can recall, hang on a minute. Who have the Chinese invaded and murdered, slaughtered? In their the own, their own bollocks. Okay, that's absolute <laughs> nonsense. <laughs>
complete nonsense. You should go away and read, but read some proper. Hey, my problem is I spend too much time reading your liner notes, okay? Thank you for doing this. I don't think that's funny. He laughs at like, oh, it's cute. I'm being scalded by one of the dudes from the Muppets, right? The Muppets. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. sort of this, you know, curmudgeon-y, like, yeah. oh, he's telling me and it's funny and I'm going to laugh it off. But like he had no actual facts to counter narrative this narrative. He just was pushing his own narrative and he does. He calls it propaganda. It absolutely is propaganda. I and mean, when you talk about the Chinese slaughtering its own people, what he's probably trying to refer to is uh, the Uyghur, the so-called Uyghur story, which you must watch my in-depth interview with Vanessa Bealy. We uncover that and talk about that propaganda, right? So this has been something that's been parroted by Western media. Um, and again, this this all comes down to a specific narrative that is driven by corporate media. And he's sitting right there mocking him, mocking corporate media right to its face. And he's just laughing it off like, oh, this is your list. No, this is your list. China's on the top of your list for mur No, no. What about the United States, which has invaded all of these countries, which is currently involved in like nine wars? Yes. The cover-ups, the innocence, the millions of people that were killed in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, Roger Waters has sold millions of albums based on his political beliefs. And if you listen to any of his music and his writing, you know that he very much stands for what? Anti-government narrative, peace. What else would you say that a Pink Floyd album or a Roger Waters album stands for? Well, I mean, if you look at like his seminal work, if, I mean, many people believe it's like, you know, the wall is like, purely Roger Waters, right? So if you look at the wall as, I mean, I mean, government, uh, you government know, corruption, government corruption, government, uh, you know, government mind forced control. education, mind control, um, single mother raising a kid after losing his father in a war, like in a war. Right. Um, you listen to amused to death. His, one of his solo albums, very, you know, very much about war and the, the loss during war. So, if you did, if Smirkanish did spend all of this time reading his liner notes, then you think he maybe would be much more enlightened or, you know, educated. Or at least, but why would you love this music if you want to embrace the narrative of CNN? You should, it's almost like, is there anybody who likes both and just doesn't know what they're... Yeah, maybe you, he just right? likes it for the guitar solos. Perhaps, yeah, well, maybe, here yeah. is exactly what Roger Waters thinks if you don't want to hear... His politics. Can we play this little intro that he does at the beginning of his concerts? If you're one of those, I love Pink Floyd, but I can't stand Roger's politics, people. You might do well to f off to the bar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's like the best way. <laughs> You know, yeah, exactly. Like if you're just here because you're like a Pink Floyd nostalgic and you don't really you don't care about what, you know, I want to talk about here in politics and, and, and you know. Well, but music is his medium of politics. Right. If nothing else. Right. He's not there to hear himself just play a fun little jingle. He means it. He's trying to disseminate something. Clifford in our chat, Clifford Pedley says, yes. And Roger, one of the few people like sticking up for Julian Assange. Right. Mm, yeah. Very, very vocal about uh, about freeing Julian Assange. Um, absolutely. Um, exactly. Um, well, I see this being very similar to a, a, lot, a lot of people. I've, I've seen it a lot lately where people are, are going after Rage Against the Machine saying, oh, look, just, they've just become nothing but woke politics. And I'm like, have you ever 
listen to Rage Against the Machine. Like they, 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 they're, they're about as like socialist propaganda. Like that's that's their whole shtick. And like so, it's just it's amazing yeah. that people can like like a band and completely miss the message that way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's true. I mean, like Sting used to talk about with every breath you take, you know, he said people would come up to me and say that it was their wedding song. And he was like, really? It's a song about <laughs> stalking someone <laughs> under Reagan's surveillance America, like stalking people like it, that's your wedding song. He would say, good luck. Every breath you take, good luck. Um, he went on to say in this interview, he talked about um, an RT. If you want to actually get like unfiltered stuff, look at RT. Um, he explained why he calls uh, he calls President Biden a war criminal. You know, he's slammed President Trump. Of course, he does whole concerts about Trump, but he slams President Biden as a war criminal. We've called President Biden a war criminal on this show. Um, so a we, warmonger, we have called him. Oh, I've called him a war, yeah, warmonger, war criminal, uh, the merry band of warmongers. Um, so he talks about this. He was, you know, in this, he, he's in, he calls him a war. He says, Joe Biden is fueling the fire in Ukraine for a start. That's a huge crime. Why won't the United States of America encourage Zelensky to negotiate, obviating the need for this horrific, horrendous war? Um, and of course, he goes on to talk about more about that. But yeah, so he doesn't pull any punches, like going after, he's an equal opportunity offender. Like if you're, if you're supporting endless wars, he will go after you. He will go after you if you're Trump. If you're George W. Bush, if you're uh, Joe Biden, because they're all part of one political machine. Like we can have little flavors of each of them and pretend that they're different, uh, but they're not. Well, that's like us too. Like we we do the same thing. We don't like you. If you're not for the people and you're not doing what's right for the people and the job that you're supposed to do, we will hold you in account mm-hmm. to account. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly the case. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this interview. Let us know in the chat below. It was at the very least very good fun to watch. Uh, I enjoyed it immensely. I love Roger White. All right. Before we move on, I want to tell you about our friends over at Anthem. Do you own a small business and need help growing it? Then Anthem Software is your one-stop solution. Anthem Software helps small businesses all over America find, serve, and keep more customers profitably. By providing world-class CRM software and results-focused marketing services, your business will not only grow, but dominate in this highly competitive modern world. So go to anthemsoftware.com. Every business has a song. Let anthemsoftware.com help you sing yours. Visit anthem, A-N-T-H-E-M, software.com to schedule your free demo of this amazing solution. Well, last night in the wee hours of the morning, the Senate passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which I, I love these names in Washington, right? Like naming things the opposite maybe of what they do, but I don't want to lead the witness here. Will it actually reduce inflation and help uh, the average American pay less for energy and rent and all of those things? Well, today the stars have aligned because we have an interview with our tax mentor, Tom Wheelwright. He is of the WealthAbility Show and the WealthAbility Network. He also wanted to stop by to tell us about his new book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, but it turns out that it just was super lucky timing because we could ask him for context about these things as well as talk about his new book because all of this news sort of does play into what we can do as individuals. So Tom, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to be with you guys. 
Well, it's our honor to have you here, Tom, always. Uh, we learn so much every time we speak with you, and I hope our audience pays deep, deep attention because as we talk about your book in a few minutes, there's a lot here for that can really help the average uh, American and people watching around the world because we have a large international audience as well. But, Tom, we would be remiss if we didn't start and talk about, of course, what happened last night in the Senate when the Senate passed this Inflation Reduction Act. There was a lot of dancing and hoop, hoopla. Kamala Harris was the tie-breaking vote. She, I think this is the second most tie-breaking votes from a vice president in U.S. history because this is how tight things are right now. It's a massive multi-billion dollar package, but it's called the Inflation Reduction Act. So, Tom, will it actually reduce inflation and help the average American? Well, that, 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 of course, is doubtful. We actually have uh, dubbed it the Business Disruption Act. So it's, <laughs> Great. it's much less inflation reduction as it is business disruption. So um, it's, you know, it's a big give. It's a, it, that, you know, there's really only three aspects to it that, that make any difference. One's the Medicare prescriptions, where um, I think everybody outside of Medicare um, will be paying higher drug prices. And the second one, so that doesn't help inflation. Um, there is actually an import tax. Um, last I read it, unless they changed it, there's an import tax on oil. So I'm not sure how that, if that helps inflation to add taxes <laughs> on imported oil. And uh, uh, we have a minimum tax on um, corporations, big multinational corporations that uh, are in everybody's stock portfolio. So I'm not sure how that helps with inflation. And then the biggest, actually the biggest piece of this uh, legislation that is the least discussed um, is uh, $80 billion pretty much unrestricted to the Internal Revenue Service to add lots of accountants and attorneys to their staff. Yes. So in fact, just this morning, 87,000 IRS is trending on Twitter in the top five <laughs> subjects in the United States because of this bill being uh, about hiring 87,000 new hound dogs. Now on your podcast, you have warned that IRS Commissioner Charles Reddick is a bit of a hound dog and that he wants to make sure that if it were up to him, he would want you to show a receipt for every single deduction down to even the smallest parking garage fee, right? You've warned of this before. So again, I want to say you are right. Um, but the question here is, who are they going after? Because Congress can say, oh, yeah, see, now we're going after the Jeff Bezos. You don't need 87,000 people to go after Jeff Bezos of the world, right? This is really to go after the middle class, if I read it right. Well, I, there's no question. It's the middle class and the upper middle class. It's the small business owner. It's the entrepreneur that gets um, gets the worst of this. Because they say, you know, it says in the bill, well, we're not going to go well after anybody under 400000 And then in the next breath, uh, Commissioner Reddig says, well, we're going to go after partnerships. Well, <laughs> tell me there aren't uh, hundreds of thousands and millions of people who make under 400000 that aren't in partnerships. Um, that, because they are. They're, they're in syndications. They're, you know, they're, they're in syndicated... Um, uh, real estate investments. These are accredited investors. You know, you make um, three, you know, you, you make $200,000 a year, you're an accredited investor. So you can invest in private equity. So it, it definitely, it's, it's not what, uh, you know, like you say, whatever the government says it is, it's probably the opposite. 
We have, we have hundreds of billions of dollars in here for climate change uh, information, uh, uh, all sorts of things in here. Also, a, a tax hike, a tax hike on pass-through businesses. Um, there's a there's hikes on fuel, coal. Um, I mean, again, how is this? I just help me. I know you're not an, you're not an economist, but you certainly study the ins and outs of the tax code. So, how sure. exactly is this going to lower inflation for the average American? Yeah, I I, I can't uh, fathom that. Uh, Math frankly, doesn't work I mean, out for you. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not quite sure how how it lowers in, inflation, um, especially where if uh, so. Some of these provisions for the uh, climate provisions are pretty interesting. If you uh, pay a prevailing labor wage, you get five times the credit, um, and we all know prevailing labor wages are five times as high as other wages in states like Texas and Arizona. Florida, other non-unionized states. So what happens is, is that if you have to pay a prevailing to get the tax benefit, you have to pay the labor wages. That does mean that there's going to be more um, union wages paid, but that is, of course, that doesn't reduce anybody else's costs. Now, um, a mutual friend of ours who I learned about through your WealthAbility show, Carol Roth, she posted an hour ago on Twitter, remember that the government and the IRS doesn't have a revenue collection problem. They've collected more than $4 trillion last year. They have a spending problem, a power and control complex. Uh, but right now, if you really look at the receipts versus outlays for the last four years, the, the, they're not that short of what they expected and what no. they have collected. No, they're not. And, and if you look at the IRS's own data, about uh, more than half of the cheating that goes on um, happens with um, people in the 100000 to $200,000 range. I mean, there wow. are small businesses, you know, anybody who comes to your door and say, any contractor says, um, it's $120, but only 100 if you pay me cash. Well, you know why they're doing that, right? They're not yeah. reporting that on their taxes. So um, that's actually a, a major issue for the IRS. That, that, to be clear, the IRS has been underfunded. I mean, they do need some funding. But when you take, here's the interesting part of this allocation. So $3 billion goes to customer service. And so instead of getting 10% of our phone calls answered, we'll get 20% answered. <laughs> Four, Four billion dollars. $4 billion goes to technology, which by the way, the technology they're using was um, was first uh, implemented in the 1980s when I was in Washington, D.C. Wow, okay, um, so it's they, time. Then they, get, then they get $28 billion for their regular operations, um, which is to me just, I mean, I don't know what that's going to go to, and then $45 billion for enforcement. So it's that $45 billion, you know, if they were to put $45 billion towards customer service technology, I'd not be saying a word about this bill. I think I would think it would be great. They need better technology. They need, they need so much better customer service. Um, they need to be actually, you know, um, reviewing returns, letting you get your refunds back instead of taking six months to a year and a half to get a refund. And so they, they need to step up their customer service for sure. The, the challenge is that's not their focus. Their fo and, and the biggest concern here, Natalie, um, is that um, the IRS has taken this approach over the last few years that if they don't like a deduction or if they don't like a tax benefit, they just disallow it. They don't give you a chance to argue it. They don't, it doesn't matter if it's legitimate or, or that it's in the law, they just throw it out and then you have to take them to court. Well. It costs about a million dollars to go to court with the IRS. 
And so what's really, what's, what the fear is, and this is, I think, a legitimate fear based on what we've seen over the last few years, the, the fear is, is that they'll come into you and they'll say, we don't like your, I don't know, credit that you took for sending your child to college. We don't like the credit you took for your adoption expenses. We don't like the um, deduction you took for your home mortgage. And by the way, if you want to fight this, that's fine, but you have to take it to court. And so what's what the, the concern is that now you have a bully with unlimited resources, and that's always a, a bit... I think I think that's always a bit scary. Tom, I want to ask you about inflation. We see the Biden White House uh, trying to tell us over and over again that the government uh, printing of money, this endless printing of money is not related at all to the current inflationary period that we have. Listen to President Biden explain this. I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Okay, so there's President Biden saying, I'm sick of this. The American people think the inflation is government spending. It's not. He's basically saying it's something else. We're, you and every economist and tax expert on your show dispel this notion. So, so can you just comment on that once and for all? Government spending, is it related to inflation? Look, look, just look up the definition of inflation and what causes inflation. It's too much money chasing too few goods. So uh, do we have some supply chain interruption? No question. Is that part of the is that part of the inflation? There's no question. But it's too much money chasing too few goods. It's not just too few goods. It's too much money. And there's an enormous amount of money in the economy, just an enormous amount. Um, and it started, frankly, it didn't start with the Democrats, it started with Republicans um, in 2020. They started just pushing all of this money into the economy uh, over COVID. So we got those, the big, the big uh, CARES Act, and then we got the next one, then the next one. And then I, I actually think that the tipping point was this American Rescue Plan, this $2 trillion that was put into the economy when the economy didn't need it. And that was back in uh, just a year ago. And I, I think that was, uh, to me, that was a tipping point. Now, again, the Democrats didn't start this. This was started under the Trump administration. Um, yeah. But this is, uh, the, the reality is that this is what's going on. You mentioned on your show that, you know, it wasn't means tested. So plenty of people who didn't need it got stimulus that they, you know, were not hurting for. Um, and that you thought that probably this was sort of a race to the election, like who could up their ante in order to get elected. And uh, you warned us that, you know, if Trump were to win re-election, taxes would probably not be going up. And if Biden won, taxes would definitely not go down. And so that's exactly what we're going to see, maybe not in terms of individual taxes, but these expenses that now will be put on all of us. But you say you wrote this book. Um, and I want to circle around to your book because you said you wanted to disrupt the way people think about the relationship between governments and taxpayers. And then just this morning, I was watching this sort of fallout on Twitter of Ted Cruz saying we should abolish the IRS. Madam President, there are, there are a lot of bad things in this bill, but few are worse than the proposal by Democrats in this bill to double the size of the IRS and create 87,000 new IRS agents. I guarantee you citizens in every one of our states, if you ask them what do they want, they don't want 87,000 new IRS agents. And they're not being created to audit billionaires or giant corporations. They're being created to audit you. 
the, the House Ways and Means Committee, the minority, has put out an estimate that under this bill, there will be 1.2 million new audits per, per year, with over 700,000 of those new audits falling on taxpayers making $75,000 or less. I believe personally we should abolish the IRS, but at a minimum we shouldn't make the IRS larger than the Pentagon, the State Department, the FBI, and the Border Patrol all combined. That's what the Democrats are proposing here. It is a terrible idea. If you don't want 87,000 new IRS agents, vote yes. Which maybe is political posturing, but if you look at the responses, they are very much in line with the notion that you wanted to dispel. So I just sort of clipped one. This lady named Patricia Hughes, she says, yeah, Ted, you're out here stumping for your corporate overlords. Maybe if you just don't cheat on your taxes, you'll be fine. She says, I've never been audited, but then I pay my taxes. Those of us who pay are done with the richest companies paying nothing. So it's this attitude of like, it's the wealthy people that are the drain on our society, right? Can you tell us a bit about what you observe about this attitude and why you decided to work against it? Well, it, <laughs> there's there's a, there's a battle going on right now, and our friend, mutual friend Carol Roth, is right in the middle of that battle, which is um, who who actually produces um, all of the goods and services? Is it the workers or is it the entrepreneurs? And an entrepreneur would tell you it's a combination of workers and entrepreneurs. And there are certain people uh, in this administration, for sure, who believe it's all about the workers. And what, what's ironic is, so look at this tax bill, look at this Inflation Reduction Act, and all the government's doing is providing more incentives. Um, right before the Inflation Reduction Act was the uh, semiconductor bill, which provides huge tax incentives to the semiconductor industry to manufacture in the U.S., um, and particularly with union labor. Uh, the, then there's huge um, the benefits in this bill for solar and other renewable energy, particularly for those who use union labor. So this is, this, I, I actually think these are labor bills. I, I think that's what they are. And, you know, I'm not, you know, I, I love, I mean, one of, my, one of my goals when I started my first business was I wanted people to love coming to work. So, you know, that, to me, that's the big question. And then when you look at the tax law, you go, wait a minute, all you're doing, the reason the wealthy don't pay tax is because they're doing what the government wants them to do. Right. That's all. And so, I mean, this is something that I learned from your first book, um, uh, Tax-Free Wealth, was that, you know, when the average person makes $10, they pay taxes on that $10. But the government will tax the uh, a corporation on that $10 only based on the profit. So if they spent $5 to make $10, their tax is on the $5, right? And individuals don't understand that difference and that the corporation is just doing what the government wants it to do. And so there's a disconnect with the way the tax law is written, which is to get you to have a business and spend money. And what Congress says, which is they just want to string up the wealthy, right? There's like, there's a disconnect between the law and the posturing. There's a huge disconnect, Natalie. Um, right now, you've got all this, we'll tax the rich. Well, the rich pay, actually, if you look at the numbers, the rich actually pay most of the taxes. So it's it's pretty hard to say that the, the rich aren't paying taxes. Are there wealthy people who don't pay taxes? Absolutely. I have many clients 
And um, the reason they don't pay taxes because I look at it is because they're, um, they're actually very generous in what they do. So for example, if you, build, if, if you buy a house or build a house for yourself, you get a small tax deduction. You've built it for yourself and your family. The government's happy for you to do that, right? The government doesn't give you that same tax benefit if you rent a house, only if you build or buy the house. On the flip side of that, if you build houses or uh, buy houses for other people that you rent to other families, then you get huge tax deductions. And this isn't just true in the US. We studied 15 countries um, around the world when we wrote the win-win wealth strategy, seven investments the government will pay you to make, so that everybody understands that this is not a US phenomenon. This is something the governments around the world, since, really since the 1960s with JFK, have learned that people don't like paying taxes and a little tax incentive will go a long way. Right, as you mentioned in your book, to accomplish these five goals of government, that government can't like, you know, feed you, give you a job, all of these things that is the government's main concern. But if it, if private businesses can, right, then they're accomplishing that through tax incentives. So um, yeah, that's in the beginning and, of the book. And, and it's much cheaper for the government to use tax incentives than it is for the government to do the work themselves. I mean, imagine how many people do you know whose goal in life is to live in government housing? Uh, I don't think, <laughs> I've never yeah. heard of anybody who says, ooh, I can't wait, I want government housing. And so what the governments do is they give in tax incentives to private investors to say, look, if you build your wealth by building housing for other people, we will lower your taxes in exchange. We'll take on part of the burden of that risk that you're taking on when you build that housing. The same is true with energy. The same is true with agriculture. The same is true with jobs and technology. Those things all are things that I don't think anybody would argument argue that jobs are good. Nobody's going to argue that uh, technology is good. Nobody's going to argue that uh, you know producing food is a good idea. And yet here we are saying, yes, but if you get rich off of doing those things, now you're bad. Yeah. Well, when you hear like Elizabeth Warren, we've seen this, and, and maybe this is where I want to ask you, where did you come up with the idea for the book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy? Was there, was there a moment you were sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and you said, that's it. I've got to ring in on this. I am just sick and tired of hearing these politicians talk this way. We've heard Elizabeth Warren battling, of course, against Jeff Bezos and Amazon. Elon and Musk. Elon Musk, right there. The, of course, the poster child for like the attacks of Washington. What was the moment for you when you said, that's enough? You know, during the 2020 election, there was uh, the New York Times got a hold of uh, Donald Trump's tax returns, right? And they said, yeah. well, gee, he didn't pay taxes for 10 years. And uh, out of that 15 and two out of the, the other, another two out of the 15 only paid $750. And, you know, and so I just did a, I did a little um, TikTok video that went in, instantly viral on why Donald Trump doesn't pay, didn't, didn't pay taxes. And it, you know, it's, it's just disconcerting to me that entrepreneurs and um, again, um, this is an attack that's been going on for many years now. The entrepreneurs keep getting thrown under the bus that it's oh, somehow the entrepreneurs are the bad people. And yet what's curious to me is, is that uh, think about the last two and a half years and where, where would we have been without Amazon? Yeah. Um, it would have been a pretty miserable two and a half years. It wasn't great as it was. Um, and then you think about all the jobs that are created in, these in the technology companies, which are 
getting huge tax benefits at the same time, creating a lot of jobs. Um, it, it's pretty, it, to me, it's just, you know, somebody, somebody had to stand up and say something. And uh, um, my first book, Tax-Free Wealth, had been popular enough. I thought, well, if anybody's going to do it, somebody's got to do it. It ought to be me. But one of your goals of the book is, look, wealthy people are using these tools. You can too, right? So we can be pissed off about it that there's tax incentives like, that you say here, governments leverage private enterprises to accomplish their goals. And so you can say, well, the government's too cozy with these big businesses, right? Or you can use these strategies too to build your own wealth. Yeah, fundamentally the tax law is fair because the tax law says anybody can use those same laws. You can't say these laws are only applicable to XYZ company or these, these laws are only applicable to you know ABC enterprise. What you have to do in the tax laws under our Equal Protection Act and the Constitution, you have to make them available to everybody. So the, the person who uh, buys and rents out a fourplex gets the same tax benefits as the person who builds a 200 unit apartment complex. Uh, the person who uh, starts a side hustle business in their home gets the same tax benefits, in fact, even some more tax benefits than the one who starts uh, a restaurant downtown. Um, so, you know, there are en enormous tax benefits available for everybody. And what's really, what I think is so important when you talk about how do people use this is, um, the, you know, I have a, fun a couple of fundamental rules. The first is the more money you make, the more tax you pay. That's fundamentally true. Um, however, the more wealth you build, the less tax you pay. So if you actually buying assets, this is rule number one of rich dad, poor dad, right? Uh, if you're actually buying assets, to produce to to build your wealth, um, cash flowing assets, you'll pay less tax, you'll build more wealth, and you'll have more cash flow, and and every and frankly, you'll be more generous because you'll have done a lot of good in the world. Speaking of doing good in the world, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this. On this show, we are staunchly anti-war. I mean, all my days back at Fox News, this is one of the things I stood out stood stood up against was the military industrial complex and the defense budget being as massive as it is and all of this money going around the world to frankly kill innocent people. So that is where I put my foot down and I will be happy to be political about it. And I don't really even think it needs to be a political issue. So I don't mean to be uh, partisan and ask you to be partisan on this issue. But when we think about tax dollars, a huge portion of our U.S. tax dollars going to the military industrial complex, how can the average taxpayer, I mean, maybe you can give us like a psychological treatment here. How can the average taxpayer feel maybe, I don't know, at peace? Like how do you stomach it when you do have to pay your tax? It's so hard when I, you know, you pay that tax bill and you're like, here you go, another howitzer. Yeah, here you go. Here you go, Zelensky. Well, you know, um, ta taxes are the price we pay for our, living in our society. I mean, that, that's been established for many years. What's curious to me, though, is that, you know, when the income tax, um, the 16th Amendment uh, was passed uh, back in the early 1900s, the original income tax was 7%, and it was only on people who made today, the equivalent today of $7.5 million a year. So people voted that um, amendment in thinking it would never hit them. And it wasn't even until 1944 that employees were taxed at all. And even after 1944, there was another 15, 20 years 
when the standard deduction was so big that the average employee still didn't pay any tax. Now it's completely flipped. So um, I, I don't know how employees can feel good about it. I mean, this is, this is really the challenge is that employees been sold a, a lie. And, and the lie is, is that if you, you know, go to school and get a job and then you, know, you, you buy your house and you invest in mutual funds and your, your, you know, life is going to be good. And the reality is if you do that, you're going to pay very high taxes and um, you're, you, you know, you're going to live a life that barely gets by. Whereas if you take the opposite approach, um, and you say, well, look, I'm going to go out and find a problem and solve it. And, uh, and what, I, what I write in my um, book, The Win-Win Wealth Strategy, is find a problem that the government thinks is a problem, like jobs, like technology. Find one that they think is, and then you can help solve a problem in one of those areas, and you will pay very few taxes, and then you don't have to worry. <laughs> now you're less concerned. See, really what you're doing is you're, uh, Clayton, is you're taking control. You're able to dictate what happens to the government's money. Um, the way you do that is you go do those things that they've incentivized, you pay little or no tax, and you get to put that money where you think it'll go, whether it's housing, like you guys talk a lot about housing, whether it's housing, whether it's energy, um, whether it's uh, jobs, which is I'm, uh, you know, uh, big into business, and it, it doesn't matter where, you know, but the more you do of that, the less tax you'll pay, and then you don't have to worry so much about the, what the government's doing with it. Yeah. Well said. Well, the book, everyone, is called The Win-Win Wealth Strategy. Um, I would encourage you all to go pick it up right now. We'll have a link in the description below for you to go to buy the book right now. You can also, while you're there, pick up one of the must-reads in our family as well. Your other book, Tax-Free Wealth, you've got to read that. That's the book that set us on this journey to become friends with Tom in the first place. Um, so uh, I would encourage you all to do that. Be sure to also check out Tom's great podcast, The Wealth Ability Podcast, where he just drops truth bombs and knowledge uh, all over the place. Um, did we miss anything, Tom? Uh, you know what? I, I think you got the highlights of it. Um, you know, that I, I would just remind everybody that uh, <laughs> when the government says something, you know, you don't like where your taxes go because you don't think you're comfortable with where your taxes are going. Are you comfortable that the government is telling you that, you know, what how it really is and maybe look at what actually happens um, and look at what you can do about it. I, I love what you're doing here, you guys, because you're talking about what can people do, not 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 just a, a diatribe, but what can people do about their lives to take control of it. And taxes are a big part of it. So take control of your taxes. Yeah, great. Well, congratulations on the book. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And uh, when we get confused about another tax bill, we <laughs> might call you right back up. That's right. Always here for you. Thank you, Tom. And uh, we, yes, and we want to say thank you to all of you for subscribing to the channel. Make sure you please subscribe. It's very easy to do. It's free. And we have our redacted.inc newsletter. If you go to redacted.inc, it's delivered to your inbox first thing in the morning. Uh, totally free. I would encourage you all to download and subscribe. And we will see you back here tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern time on Redacted. Bye, everyone. Bye, then.